Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And still fully vaccinated, I'm Nick Saveri. Oh, we are going to get into that a little bit later on in the program. On today's program, we're going to dive deep into the Facebook whistleblower testimony that happened on Capitol Hill last week. Uh, Later on, we're going to have Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving and Steven Jackson. Read the room, fucko. Because apparently those guys do not understand how to read the room in terms of vaccinations. And as always, I turn now to the wonderful Nick Saveri, who just introduced himself as fully vaccinated. That is great to hear, as always. Everybody already knows that. Uh, Nick, how are you doing, my friend? How's everything? Good, man. We're yeah, just just chilling. It falls in the air. Weather's getting cool. I'm very excited about that. So that's that's where we are, man. Yeah. How about you? No, I'm doing good, man. You know, everything, like I've mentioned a bunch, we are waiting the birth of my second child. I will be a, a two a four, family of four now. So the Leon party of four will be taking place. Uh, just completed Club 40. So I am. Oh, now, he's beat up. Uh, there we go. He's in it. A member of, of Club 40, unfortunately. So I, I recently turned 40 years old. So and I know I turned 40 years old because I was texting with. A mutual friend of ours, Nick, recently about, you know, the Yankees playoff loss. And as I was pretending to um, lead off of first base, um, I in my bedroom, I tweaked my back. And so that's how, you know, you're getting older, folks. Uh, I was pretending to do something and still got hurt. So, yeah, no more sports uh, in my I stick to my golf game and my my seven handicap. You can look that up on Jen. You can still play. Um, you can still play basketball, man. Don't don't, don't do that. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. So my dad tears Achilles in his 40s. That's not mm. happening. Um, speaking of 
tearing Achilles. Let's tear through uh, some recent Facebook testimony, shall we? Uh, recently on Capitol Hill, the Facebook whistleblower has been identified. Obviously, former data scientist Frances Haugen, I think is her last name. Uh, she spoke recently during a, a hearing of the Senate Commerce, Science and Transportation Subcommittee. Uh, they deal a lot on consumer protection, product safety, data security. Richard Blumenthal is on there, the former attorney general of, uh, of the state of Connecticut. Um, and, you know, she gave some pretty damning testimony uh, in terms of what she saw. Obviously, she worked there for a few years. She's worked in big tech for a long time. Let's play a little bit of what Francis uh, said to the committee on Capitol Hill. I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division and weaken our democracy. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer, but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the US government, and from governments around the world. The algorithms are very smart in the sense that they latch onto things that people want to continue to engage with. And unfortunately, in the case of teen girls and things like self-harm, they develop these feedback cycles where children are using Instagram as to self-soothe, but then are exposed to more and more content that makes them hate themselves. All right. So interest of full disclosure. Okay. I like to say that a lot, but um, I have been interviewed for positions at Facebook a bunch of times. Obviously, uh, if you look me up on LinkedIn, it's not That's that hard flex. to see. I've been a, well, no, not really. I mean, I've been a product manager, a senior product manager. Now I'm a director of media and products. So, I mean, I've, the career trajectory has continued in the field of technology. So um, I have done a bunch of different exercises that PMs tend to do or senior PMs do when they're interviewing with Facebook. Um, I'm very familiar with UI UX. I talked about this last time right? The user interface and the user experience of an application, meaning how do we make it better? How do we get people to engage? It's always been about that. She mentioned it there though. The one piece is that uh, what data scientists deal with is algorithmic changes, right? How to get things to curate and appear on people's feeds so that they stay in the experience, they continue to be engaged, that they see things on the left and right rail which are, if you're scrolling through Facebook, your feed's right in the middle, right? Your left and right rail. Sometimes you see advertisements that pop up, right? And Facebook knows as you continue to scroll and get down above, you know, below the fold, as they like to say, uh, you will see more ads and they make money off of that. Uh, you know, they, they're filling their slots. I talked about this on the last episode, but I thought some of the stuff that Francis went into with the committee, here's a couple more things that she said. She said, um, that Facebook hid from the public and government officials internet research that illuminated the harms of Facebook products. And that's a big one because her, her testimony was saying that this result of hiding that has been more division and more harm, more lies, more threats, and more combat. And in some cases, this dangerous online talk has led to actual violence that harms and even kills people. Um, you know, that is something like I've mentioned this on the last episode, a couple episodes that we did ago on misinformation and disinformation. I've never worked with an application that had that at stake, you know, because a lot of the times I've worked in live sports or or music. And that is as somebody who continues to work in, in the space and try to make the user experience with an application better. 
that is alarming to hear that f- physical violence has led to some of this when easily internally the data scientists, PMs, the engineers, engineering leads, QA leads, those are people that are providing quality assurance to make sure that this stuff is tested before it gets released. Um, you know, like to hear that is crazy to me. Uh, give me some some of your thoughts. I know you watched a little bit of the testimony um, and we just played the clip, obviously, from her and some sound bites from her testifying on Capitol Hill. Give me a little bit of, of your take from from Francis's testimony. Yeah, you know, I think the like like you've shared, I, th- I think the findings are are frightening. It, you know, I come from this interesting place of where you know if a product is like is a product guilty for doing harm, um, like it like this feels a little like what we had this discussion about cigarettes. And I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, and by so, the way, Richard yeah. Richard Blumenthal mentioned that in his testimony. He's like, we're at a we're at a pivotal moment where it could be like big tobacco. So go ahead. I don't want to stop your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and I'm just and building off that point. Like that's kind of the thing that sort of popped into my head too. Is you know generate generation generationally. See, I nailed it there. There you go. You know we're in a place where the most addictive thing is the internet. You know, and we're seeing it. We're seeing ourselves cycle out of tobacco. I mean, it's now being replaced by a vaping, and you're seeing now like marijuana being legalized and stuff like that. So like things are you know just kind of sort of filling the marketplace there instead. But that was, we remember when testimonies, remember lawsuits against big tobacco. We remember even to this day, like um, companies like, I think like truth.org or something that would put out ads repeatedly, letting people know what's really actually happening with cigarettes. What we saw with this testimony today is essentially someone just blowing the doors off of what we all kind of knew if you really were paying attention. And for anyone who who'd watched the social, I believe it's the social dilemma. I think that that documentary on Netflix that really kind of talked about the, how dangerous these algorithms are and how it's just feeding into you um, just a, a form of manipulation. And some of the other statistics from that article from, you know, from NPR are especially jarring because we're talking about um, just a couple, just a couple of things that sort of come to mind. You know, once you know one study that had been leaked you know found like 13.5 percent of you know girls in the united kingdom um had said that suicidal thoughts became more frequent after starting on instagram like think about that for a minute you know you've got a daughter as i do and i've got two just the thought if, if in isolation i told you there is a thing out there that could potentially increase the likelihood of your girl my girls any daughters that we know or even I mean, potentially we're talking about raising the, the chances of them harming themselves. Immediately, we would say whatever that thing is, we're not exposing them to it. You know, and Mike, you and I are both sports fans. And the other thing that came to mind here to me was CTE. You had a doctor come forward with his findings that talked about what's actually happening on the, on the football field. And notice what's happened since. You've seen the NFL, you've seen college football start to change rules. More importantly, you're seeing youth football being heavily scrutinized. We've seen countless players come forward and say, oh, I don't know if I would let my you know kid use that or kid play the game. And I'll go one better. Silicon Valley, a few years back, there had been an article that had came out about executives in Silicon Valley, people involved in the dot-com pieces that had said, you know, I prefer my child to be in schools where there's no technology. You know, we keep technology limited at home. And I remember reading that being irate that, you know, these folks are out in these streets peddling this like a, a digital drug, 
but are smart enough to say, well, I know what's in, what's in that stuff. So I'm not taking it. I'm not exposing my family to it. And that was the tell. That alone should have been the tell. And it's taken this long for someone. And I admire the bravery of this person who's come forward to really kind of shed light on something. That I think, again, we all kind of knew, but we needed someone like her to step forward and say, this is the information that's being that you're not knowing. And yeah. similar to tobacco, similar to football, you know, we're in a situation where something that's become very a pivotal piece of our culture, we're pulling the curtain back and saying that there's a whole lot behind this that it's important that you know about. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I thought about when we were going to discuss this after watching some of the testimony. I mean, again, I've been working in the space for for so long that when I watched the social dilemma. My first reaction is different than your first reaction. My first reaction was like, yeah, I already knew that. Like, I already knew that. I mean, you know, um, they're a private company. They have a terms of use. They have a privacy policy. Um, You mentioned this a few episodes back. We don't teach digital literacy, right? We don't teach how to actually use applications, how to disconnect from applications. Yeah, there's recommendations. You know, you shouldn't turn turn your phone on before you go to bed, so that way you can get your full eight hours of sleep, your REM cycle, and stuff like that. But there's no actual digital literacy for people out there on, in terms of like how to use an application, how to circumvent certain pitfalls. Like a lot of that stuff's not taught. So for somebody like me who works in the space, you know, I see I see what's happening right now with Francis coming out. Like you said, yeah, it, it is it is pretty brave because you know. Um, Everyone's going to know who she is now. Um, will somebody else hire her? I would, I would suspect so, but you never know. Um, one of the things that she, her legal team had said as well, and she's claimed that Facebook has broken the law. Her lawyers have filed eight complaints with the SEC. That's not the Southeastern Conference for you listening. It's the Securities and Exchange Commission. And it focused on some of Facebook's public statements about issues, including what Facebook knew about how organizers of January 6th capital riots use their platform. So, um, and how effective they were prior to, in terms of removing hate speech and then post January 6th. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is how united, <laughs> it's so funny that this is what unites us, how united Democrats and Republicans are on regulating Facebook. You, you know, you had Senator Jerry Moran of Kansas, uh, you know, in, in one moment in the exchanges, he's turning to your know, Richard Blumenthal. And they're talking about how they should put aside their partisan difference to tackle a common goal, reining in Facebook specifically, maybe, you know, discussing Section 230, which everybody knows is about social media regulation and things like that. So I just thought that's what they come together on. It's, it's, that's a different episode altogether. But I know you wanted to add one more thing about the digital literacy part of this. Yeah, you mentioned that there's. Uh, I don't want to you know, misconstrue your words, but you said that it wasn't a lot or we're not teaching it. And, and you're right. I think there's, if you're, if we're looking at curriculum, you know, from a state level, oftentimes there is an opportunity for digital literacy to be embedded in instruction, but that tends not to be what the thrust is. Uh, but to our parents out there and to anyone who's just trying to learn more about, you know, how to be more mindful of social media in the presence of children, I direct all of you to commonsensemedia.org. Just going to double check the URL on that again. Yeah, common commonsensemedia.org is a just a helpful resource, just learning a ton about social media and just other digital plat- platforms that as a parent, essentially think of it as basically curriculum that anyone can access that just helps you be- get a better sense. Um, and Mike, as you've talked about, like you, you and I are both mindful of the fact that like we wouldn't want our kids on social media. 
you know, we're at the point where we've learned that. And I think our generation, I think maybe the generation that probably is that way, like that we're more, we're internet savvy enough to understand how to monitor the apps our, stu- our children are using and comfortable enough to be able to sit our daughters down and have a conversation about what actually is happening here. My respective hope is that in schools, that this is something we continue to push upon. And even myself, potentially as a parent volunteer, like finding ways to you know, really put forward that message. But yeah, I to your point about you know what like if this is the rallying point for Democrats and Republicans, I'm good with it. Listen, this could have been done a long time ago on matters such as guns, on matters such as domestic violence. I mean, there's ways that this could have been there could have been a, co- a coalition much sooner. But if it is around social media, particularly Facebook, as it relates to being harmful to children, I think it's important. I will say, and it's hard for me to ignore this, you know, after Sandy Hook, we noticed that we couldn't even get, you know, gun violence laws passed in this country. Never going to happen. You know, President Obama's sitting there tearing up, trying to talk about this, furious that we can't get legislation passed. But on this one, because this is what's considered harmful to kids more so than having a weapon on this one. If this is what brings people together to, to say, like, this is where we have to be adults and step step forward and make sure that the Internet is a little less harmful for the kids, then, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and, and preach to people about how they should raise their kids in, in this digital age. Specifically, I see a lot of younger kids having phones earlier on. And I get some of that. Obviously, you're trying to contact your kid, find out where they are things like that. Um, I, I would always say, you know, you be leery of certain things. You have to be the first tester on it. You know, if yep. you're, if your kid has something, some type of new application out there, and again, this is Mike Leon product hat on right now. If there's an application out there that your kid says, I, I want to play this. I want to use this, test it out, see what the experience is like um, across platforms, wherever it's available. So that way, you know, for sure what your child's getting into. I want to quickly pivot because we talked about digital literacy. Speaking of not having literacy, Kyrie Irving, uh, to a lesser extent, Andrew Wiggins, and now Steven Jackson have crossed over into the my body, my choice vaccination. Uh, Although Andrew Wiggins got the vaccination. Uh, If you don't know what we're talking about, folks, um, obviously Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins are two NBA players. Steven Jackson, a former NBA player. Kyrie plays for the Brooklyn Nets here in New York. Uh, Andrew Wiggins plays for the Golden State Warriors. Both of them, including one or two other players, are part of the less than 5% of NBA players that are not vaccinated. Wiggins recently now is vaccinated. Uh, And so both of them obviously live in two different states, New York and California, that have local and state mandates in terms of being fully vaccinated indoors, uh, specifically both of them at, you know, the Brooklyn Nets uh, Barclays Center and over at, at the Chase Center in, in San Francisco. You have to be vaccinated to be in the building. So neither of them could play in the home games if they didn't receive at least one dose. OK, the NBA um, said that they would follow whatever the local mandates were for states for players that played on teams. Now, if you're a Knicks fan, for example, the Knicks are 100 percent vaccinated. The, the Brooklyn Nets only have two players, I believe, Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris so far, who are not fully vaccinated at all. I think Joe Harris, as of this taping, they get vaccinated. So I want to play real quick because I mentioned Steven Jackson. And Steven Jackson is a perfect candidate for a segment we're bringing back, Nick. A segment we like to call 
Read the room, fucko. So Steven Jackson last week posted something on Instagram. I want to play it for you guys here. And if I could, if I can do a voice and say warning, this is not endorsed by anybody with a brain. Um, so that's the warning message. Take a listen to what Steven Jackson said last week about Kyrie Irving's and other players in the league not getting vaccinated. What's up, world? It's been a minute. Hey, man, I'm just sending my brother Kyrie some love. Hey, man, stand on your own, too. Make your own decision for yourself, bro. You know, there's nothing wrong with educating yourself. Uh, there's nothing wrong with keeping your ears open and hear everything that's going wrong, you know, with the, with the vaccine. It's people losing, their, women losing their kids, uh, men balls swelling up due to the vaccine. It's been a lot of complications. You know, you can't even... Once you take the vaccine, if your child need blood, you can't donate blood to your child. So, you know, to each his own. If you took the vaccine, I love it. If you didn't take it, I still love you. But don't try to force something on somebody when they're trying to educate themselves. And it's proof that it's not stopping you from catching COVID. So shout out to everybody that didn't. Shout out to everybody that did. Okay. So. The reason why Steven Jackson needs to read the room. Read the room, fucko. Is because, and by the way, if you don't know who Steven Jackson is, I should mention a former NBA champion with the San Antonio Spurs, played about 15, 16 years in the league. He is the host of the very successful podcast that's on Showtime with him and Matt Barnes called uh, All the Smoke. Uh, I am a fan of the show. I will still watch the show, even though he's uh, said those nonsensical comments. Um, but here's the, here's the problem with Steven Jackson, right? There's a bunch of mistruths in there. Even his video posted on IG has the disclaimer underneath that says vaccines have been proven to have safe and effectiveness, uh, high efficacy level. We mentioned this last episode. We've mentioned this a bunch of times. We are not doctors. You're not going to get our medical opinion, nor should you. Consult your doctor. This is not hard. Talk to your primary care physician. That's who you put your trust when something happens to you, your family, whoever's underneath that, you know, primary care physician, talk to your doctor. Okay. I know people and, and I don't want to do that. I know people like he just did with, you know, ball swelling, which is not, again, no one has found the NIH, the CDC. No one has found that that is a side effect of getting vaccinated. My problem with Steven Jackson is, and again, we get into this all the time. 495,000 followers on all the smoke, right? His personal account itself, right? On Instagram, it's got 950,000 followers, right? However many of those are crossovers, whatever. Um, he's posting a video like that, that easily gets within minutes, 100,000 views. And now it speaks to, you know, my community, black and brown community, which a lot of people are already leery of, getting vaccinated and the medical community. There's been studies that have shown that black and brown communities are one of the ones that are very hesitant to get vaccinated. I forget the actual percentage. I'll find it as we continue this. Um, but I don't want to get off my train of thought because I, I am I am so enraged with these type of videos from these public figures. And I we said this when we had Lakia Holmes on the program, if you remember the senior producer at Bleacher Report. Um, did I need Steven Jackson's opinion today, Nick, or the other day when he said it? Did I do I need his opinion on where he stands on COVID-19? 
Do I need no. his opinion? No. Do we need look, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Agree with everything he said. Do I need his opinion on it? No. no. He's not a doctor. We said this about Joe Rogan. You have to stay consistent in this world. And the consistency part is we need to get back to listening to experts. Nick Zaveri is an expert in the field of education. He has over a 20-year career in it, not only as, as a teacher, but now as an instructional coach. I have a close to 20-year career working in television, radio, from a production product standpoint. Okay? Do we know everything? No. Do we know most of everything? Sure. That's the whole point. We went to school for this. Like we, at some point, we have to get back to listening to experts. And I understand that it's easy for us to say it here with two microphones in our hand and to really get at Steven Jackson. And I get that. And people will say, what's so different from what you're doing versus what he's doing? What I'm doing is not harmful. I'm not, I'm not out here advocating for you to make a stupid decision. And that's the problem. You are free in this country to be stupid and make a stupid decision. You're free to say, I don't want to be vaccinated. But okay, that's fine. That's fine. But you can't partake in the rest of what society gets to do, aka, you know, not being vaccinated for measles, mumps, or rubella and polio. And then your kid, you send your kids to school. No, you, you can't do that. Uh, you're not allowed to do certain things on an airplane right? FAA regulations. Like you, when you get te drug tested for a job, you can't just be like freedom, liberty. I'm not getting drug tested. You're not getting that job. It, it, it's like, these are simple things. I, I don't understand why people are trying to circumvent the simplicity of certain things. You don't want to get vaccinated. Fine. But if your state and your localities all say you need to show proof of vaccination to eat here, to do this, do not like that guy in Brooklyn did with his family, with the pizzeria. I'm going to eat here because of my civil liberties. Um, um, sorry, fam. This is a private restaurant, okay, and the local and state mandates that you be vaccinated or show proof of vaccination to eat inside. You can happily eat outside. You can happily eat somewhere else. No one's stopping you from that. We need to get back to civility, fact-based stuff, and trusting expert opinions. I'm going to let you go on, Stephen Jackson, because I know you got a bunch to say there, and you're a Brooklyn Net fan, and Kyrie Irving is, is that's your boy. That's your boy. As a Knicks fan, I did not want him on the Knicks. I'm very happy about that. All my guys are vaccinated because we're normal, level-headed people. Shout out to the New York Knicks. Um, and Kyrie Irving has continued to be the epicenter of stupidity in the NBA from saying the earth was flat, that you need to do research on that because I didn't realize he, his last name was Galileo. And so now we have, we have stupidity coming out of his mouth um, each and every year. As, he, as, by the way, he has said he does not want to be the focal point of attention. And he continues to be the focal point of attention. And by the way, I'm going to let you go in on, on these guys, but after you you're finished, I'm going to play a clip from a former federal and state prosecutor, Ellie Honig, when we had him on the program talking about vaccine mandates and, and the legalities behind it. But go ahead, Nick. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm not even sure where to start, but the, the, my body, my choice argument, especially when it comes to vaccines, as you said, Mike, it flies in the face of the fact that we've had so many vaccines, so many of which that everyone gets, you know, be it the flu vaccine, mumps, measles, rubella, uh, hepatitis C or B, I forget, that have always been asked of you to get. You know, when people say my body, my choice, the same thing I would argue is where exactly is your line that you don't trust medicine? Is it just in this particular vaccine? And if it is, I want you to explain to me, at least show me what is informing your research here. 
as you all know, I'm married to a physician. You know, I'm married to someone whose job it is to be informed in this matter. So when my wife says to me, this vaccine works, we're getting it. This isn't a conversation about, well, how do you know? Are you sure? Are you just feeding into whatever? Or, you know, No, this is a trained professional in the medical field that is saying, look, I know what I'm talking about. We're getting the vaccine. So the problem, I think, is that we're listening too many times, or it's not even we're listening to, we're giving a platform too many times to people like Steven Jackson and less to people like my wife. But to be fair, Dr. Fauci is a prominent person in this conversation. And at the end of the day, we should have always been listening to him. You know, this, and we talked, we began this show talking about social media. And Mike, it's really important that you keep mentioning those metrics because that is the thing we have to really step, come back to is these people have such a large following on social media that, that this platform gives them voice. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I, I do have some, I, I wonder a little bit about that, about what you say no to, who you block, but all that stuff. But to those people who do follow Steven Jackson, what I would say is don't follow him on, don't follow him on this because he's not an expert in this. You know, I hope you find him entertaining, but at the end of the day, call a doctor. Like get, get, in, get informed on this. The things that in that clip you played, you know, about, you know, a test like testicle swelling or, you know, people, you know, children, people's, you know, kids getting sick from this stuff and, or can't get a blood transfusion. Show me the receipts, show me where you are showing this. Because actually when I was on Instagram earlier and I saw this foolishness, he literally took a picture of a Google search. And this is something that we really have to confront as an informed society. What does it actually mean to conduct research? A couple episodes ago, Mike and I interviewed a professor at Temple University, when we were talking about teacher retention, the article that she had co-written had 58 pieces of literature backing it. At the very end of the article, it's essentially work cited that we all had to do when we were in school. And I would argue we may have to bring that back into the professional world. Like, show, show me where you got this from. 58 pieces of literature were used to inform the article that her and her colleagues wrote. What in the hell is Stephen Jackson pointing to, aside from a simple Google search that is fruitless when all you need to do is talk to any medical professional? And I would say that if, if he's this critical or this questioning of this particular vaccine, I do want to know what, if anything in medicine, do you subscribe to? And what fundamentally is the difference between these two things? Because there isn't any any difference, but Mike, I really appreciate the fact that you keep harping on the on the fact that don't listen to what Mike and I are saying. You know, our goal here is giving a platform to truth and to informed viewpoints. You know, bringing on experts. Do your own research. Talk to a professional. And when I say do your own research, let me step back on this one. Yeah, please. Internet searching is not is not research. It is not scholarly articles is, but. The benefit of a vaccine, the best research you can do is talk to an expert, go to a local hospital, talk to your primary care physician. And if you don't have a primary care physician, please go get one. Seriously, take care of your body. Folks, men out there, we're about to enter. We're in October. We're a month removed from now from men's health awareness. And Mike and I may think about what we want to do around that because it is an important matter, but it's so easy 
to find out the truth about the vaccine. But the place you don't get that truth from is from Stephen Jackson. Yeah. And as for Kyrie Irving, I'm going to steal a story that well, actually, well, Bomai talked about it on his podcast, but I'll bring it here. Kyrie, Kyrie celebrates his indigenous heritage. Not too, not too long ago, had been in South Dakota visiting the indigenous nation where his family comes from. And he did so without a mask. Mike, of every peoples of color in the United States, by percentage, the most vaccinated are indigenous people. Because I'm not going to make jokes here, but if there's one group of people who are very leery of what infectious disease can do to their community, it's indigenous people. And there's fool shows up there with no mask. Meanwhile, it's so quick to promulgate how dedicated he is and how involved he is in supporting that portion of his family, of his heritage. It's incongruent at best and recklessly irresponsible at worst. And this is the person that we're supposed to listen to that says, well, this is a private matter. Look, you are a public figure. If you are this dedicated to your privacy, then why in the hell do you have a social media account? Right. You don't get to pick and choose on this one. And more importantly, this argument about privacy, my buy, my choice, in this one, this is a social issue. Because if Kyrie's not getting vaccinated, he's exposing his teammates. This is true for any player who's in a, in a especially in professional sports, where you're constantly around other people. You, there's no social distancing in the NBA, yeah. unless you're a center who has no ability to guard a you know shoot per, uh, center who can shoot like Joel Embiid. But aside from that, like, yeah, this is a contact sport. So when Kyrie says this is a privacy matter and I'm going to make decisions that's best for me, no, you've got to make a decision that's best for everybody, including your family. And that's the question I would ask him. I believe he's a dad like you and like you and I, Mike. What is he doing? So are you just telling us you didn't you chose not to get vaccinated and you go home to a kid? Listen, none of this makes sense. Listen, there's a bunch that you said there. I want to touch on a few things. First off, privacy matter, Kyrie. I just mentioned the statistics. 96% as of this taping right now, I just looked up the stat. 96% of the NBA, according to the NBA Players Union, is vaccinated. You are in that 4%, my friend, and you play for a team that has local mandates. So it's not a privacy matter when you're sitting in street clothes, fully healthy, and you're not at the arena, you know, like they won't even let you in. It's not a privacy matter. We know that you're not vaccinated. This is not rocket science. Okay. You play, go get, get traded to the heat and then you can do whatever you want in Florida. Go get traded to the magic. You can do whatever you want. Any, any, any state that's not following some of this stuff. That's the first thing. The second thing, Steven Jackson, in his screenshot of research, literally it says, because what, what happened was he was having an exchange with Jamel Hill, uh, the former ESPN reporter that's now part of Metalux Media. And he said that his friend developed myocarditis from getting the vaccine. In his screenshot, in his screenshot, and this is the problem with not only social media, but that that misinformation is allowed to sit there to his 900,000 plus followers. Yeah. It, it says my in his screenshot, myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle appears to be more common after COVID-19 infection. And then right underneath that, it says this is there are it's uncommon to have a complication from the vaccine 
that causes myocarditis. Literally in the screenshot that he posted to own somebody, it says two things that contradict what he's trying to fight for. Hold on. I want to finish here. Third thing you mentioned. I know you're laughing. Third thing you mentioned about Dr. Fauci and how we should have been listening to him at the beginning. There's going to be people that listen to this. And we know a few because we've we've gotten we've seen the emails, Nick. There's going to be people that say, well, what about when Fauci said no mess? You don't need to wear mess. What about that? Remember when Fauci said that? Yeah, I do. So what? Then he changed his mind because he followed the science and data. I'm sorry. Do you not pivot at your job when you see something going wrong? Does, does, does nobody not pivot? If you see the frying machine at Burger King, you work at Burger King and it's starting to heat up. Are you going to just be like, well, no, 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 it's, it, it, it'll cook. Or are you going to wait for the kitchen to burn down? Come on, give me a break here. You're going to take the thing off the fryer. So he pivoted just like a normal scientist would, a normal epidemiologist would. Again, Mike, Nick, you guys are not epidemiologists. You got us again. We already knew that. Call your doctor. Talk to your doctor. Listen, I want to get into vaccine mandates and the legalities of it because I remember Ellie Honig, the fantastic Ellie Honig. Check out Third Degree Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um, he is a friend of the show, and he recently came on the program. We were asking him about the leagues enforcing vaccine mandates, where he thinks this will net out from the legality standpoint of private and public businesses implementing some of this stuff. Take a listen to what he said on our show. So where do you see now that it's coming into the legal realm? Where do you see a lot of this with private businesses, uh, public businesses? Like, Where do you see a lot of this shaking out in the legalities of it? Because we're seeing a lot of states that are starting to say, nope, you don't have to show vaccine proof. And the companies are like, we want to. You're seeing it play out with the NFL right now. Right. I was going to say the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's happening with the players union versus the actual league. So take us our audience through that. There's a, first of all, there's obviously a lot of political uh, posturing going on both sides here. Right. Um, generally speaking, I think that private businesses and governments are going to win in courts when it comes to vaccine mandates or, or less than that vaccine sort of incentive. So let, let, let's back up here. The Supreme Court has long held, dating back to 1905, that states and governments can impose mandatory mandatory vaccine requirements. And then in 1922, I think, the, the Supreme Court again upheld uh, mandatory vaccines for public school children. Now, if you're talking about private entities, the NFL or Carnival Cruise Lines, if anything, they have more leeway in what they do than our public entities, our states, our school boards, that kind of thing. So start from that uh, position. And then and you hit on this point exactly, Mike, which is if you look at the NFL's policy, and I can't say I'm familiar with the, with the cruise lines policy, but they're not actually smartly, right? There's some lawyers involved in this. They're not mandating vaccines. What they're doing is setting rewards, incentives, punishments, if you are or are not. And generally speaking, that's going to make it even sort of more legally defensible. So I think if governments are going to go into court and say, um, Your Honor, I would like to prevent, prohibit this private company from requiring or rewarding slash punishing vaccines, I just think you're going to have a very, very low success rate. All right, Nick, you heard Ellie there. Fantastic legal mind, like I mentioned, friend of the show. Um, calling this, by the way, this was months ago when uh, what I had mentioned to him was about what was happening in Florida with Governor DeSantis and the cruise lines over there. The cruise ships were trying to mandate vaccine requirements. Governor DeSantis put some legis- legislation into effect that says you, you don't need them. So the cruises 
uh, got an injunction, I believe, or they also circumvented some of these rules by saying, okay, you can come on without no vaccine, but you can only be on this part of the boat. So just to give you some background and context in terms of the question I asked them, um, give me some, some, some real quick thoughts on, cause I remember hearing that clip and saying, boy, this is, we're going to see this play out. And now we're seeing it play out, not only in the sports sphere, we're seeing it when, when Biden enacted uh, with, with, the, with OSHA and the 100 employees or more for private businesses to get folks vaccinated. Give me some, some takeaways from, from what yeah. you just heard there. Yeah. I mean, what you're seeing is basically like the anti-vax freedom argument is kind of getting pinched on multiple sides. It's, you know, so at a federal level, you know, the federal government gets to say, like, this is a policy. We're going to put this in place. You know, and from a private business standpoint, my company, like any other private business, we do the same thing. It's like, yeah, you're, we're going to ask you to get vaccinated. If you choose not to, you have the right to do so, but you also have, you will also be asked to leave as well. And that's how private businesses operate. Um, and before anyone says, well, if that's true, why can't, and I'm not, I'm not at the risk of creating a straw man. I guess the argument is like, well, you know, we have those bakers that didn't want to make cakes for homosexuals. Like, why should they have to do it if it's a private business? Because that's discrimination. That's a constitutional matter. On this one about vaccines, which is a public health conversation, it's a different matter entirely. You're going to get it. One way or the other, you're taking this vaccine. And if you don't, Mike's analogy of the small portion of the boat is the visual I want you all to think about every time this conversation comes up. You don't have to get vaccinated, but as a society, we're ultimately going to make sure that you're going to occupy the small part of the boat. And if you think we can't do that, then let me introduce you to what happened to cigarettes. God, that cigarette thing, man, keeps coming up and because it, it's so absolutely accurate. You know, we said, can't do it in bars, can't do it in restaurants, can't do it in most casinos. And that, and just on and on and on until the point you're the person who's just out there, the sucker sitting out there still puffing away in the pouring rain under like some little awning because that's you, but you get to still do it. But the rest of society is going to tell you where and when you get to do it. And that's exactly what's happened with the vaccine. And yeah. Ellie broke it down. I can't let it slide, by the way, that we heard your voice, the opening of that clip. And I'm reminded of a professor in college that part of his syllabus was us listening, having us, having us to read one of his books. And immediately that came back to me. Like, oh, I get it. I get it. the authoritative source you're going to bring is your own content. I mean, granted, I was part of the show too, but um, I appreciate the flex. Listen, I thought, I thought about, I'm like, boy, I would love to hear what somebody that I trust from a legal perspective. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we had one on. So that's the beauty of our show. Um, by the way, cdc.gov. If you go to cdc.gov, you're going to see a bunch of different myths and facts that are disproven. Um, do COVID vaccines contain microchips? Can you, can you be magnetic? I mean, these are just the fact that they had to put some of these on really speaks to a larger conversation about what's going on in society. What happens when you've got people like Nicki Minaj and people like yep. Stephen Jackson recklessly putting right. out there stuff that's unfounded? Yeah, and, and I don't even think they do this maliciously. I think they just think that as celebrities and having this large an audience and having access to a social media platform, that you get to say whatever you want and you do. But where is the responsibility of at least being informed if you're going to put forward something so ludicrous? But social media responsibility is exactly why we have our we have our friend who came forward and said, This is ridiculous. This is this is really what's happening at Facebook. 
Yeah, it, t- it takes someone like that to really call out the fact that social media really isn't trying to be responsible, or at least Facebook is not. Yeah, again, private entities. We'll see what the the federal regulations can be done. It ties all together, really, about what's happening in terms of social media and the fact that you can you can easily post some misinformation, disinformation without consequences. We've seen in, in some celebrities with Nicki Minaj and Stephen Jackson. Um, Nick, as we wrap. We are 60 episodes in. Just give me a quick, uh, very quick. When I say quick, I'm talking like, you know, 10, 10 words or less. Uh, 60 episodes in. What has been some of your your favorite uh, moments from this show? Um, I, honestly, my favorite moments. I mean, the, the guests are amazing. And that's not us trying to brag. That's just being real with all of you. You know, we talked to reputable journalists. We've talked to amazing authors. We've talked to professors. Um, you know, we talked to people who know what they're talking about. Damn, that sounded nice. We talked to people who know what they're talking about. That's a good that, That's a great, ta- that's <laughs> a that, great tagline. That. I like that. Um, my, but honestly, my favorite part is the texts between you and I, like show prep. You know, the yep. fact that part of this reason for this show, folks, is you know, Mike and I and our friendship, this is a way for us to stay connected. You know, especially during the pandemic and even more so now, you know, through this platform. And essentially what you are all seeing essentially is a text thread that just gets brought to a public sphere. So those are the things that stand out to me, just the the value of the work that we do, our friendship being played out through this show and the amazing people that we get to connect with. I echo all of that. Listen, newspapers, they're already dead, but they pivoted, just like I mentioned about Dr. Fauci. And they started doing digital subscriptions and stuff like that. I've loved talking to all the journalists that we've had on. Michael Eric Dyson is somebody who, when we, we talked to early on when we were recording, um, he was fantastic. But for me, uh, being able to have a, a fr- an actual friend of mine, Chad Sanders, who's doing phenomenal work and about to write another uh, book. He was on the New York Times bestseller list. His book, Black Magic, What Black Leaders Learn from Trauma and Triumph. I highly recommend it. Even if you're not black, you're not brown, you're not a person of color. Go get that book. I promise you, you will not be disappointed in the overall messaging of that book and what it speaks to about people in the room, representation in the room. Um, I felt it in different industries that I was in, specifically when I worked in golf. Um, I was the darkest person there. And there is something to that. Some of it is an advantage, some of it is a disadvantage. But hearing somebody that I've known for years come here and not only tell us his story, share with us his fantastic book, but just, just seeing how he's blown up and, you know, being able to write on some of these other shows, work with Issa Rae, like he's worked on her, her new show. He has something coming with Morgan Freeman. He's worked with Chris Spencer, who did Real House Husbands of Hollywood, you know, that starred Kevin Hart. So I'm, I'm incredibly proud of him. And like we just mentioned, playing a clip from Ellie Honig, somebody who I, I trust in the legal community, who I listen to his stuff watch him on television and he comes on here and explains to us about vaccine mandates and how they hold up in court. I mean, that's just to be able to uh, circle back on your own content and play it within the context of another episode to me speaks to where we've come from. We thank we are over 10,000 listeners. Um, we have a pretty big social media following right now. Check us out on IG, TikTok, Twitter at Can We Please Talk Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you each week for listening to us Continue to subscribe, follow, shoot us an email. Can we please talk podcast at gmail.com. If you got something you want to get off your chest, you just want to say hello. You know, I I had uh, recently was playing in a golf outing and a friend of mine uh, who I haven't seen in years came up to me and he goes, hey, 
you and Nick, man, sometimes I put you guys on. You do a great job. And I was like, and this is a guy who never gives me compliments. Um, so shout out to him, Patrick McAllen. If you're listening out there, Patty, I love you, buddy. But it was, it was, it was great to hear because sometimes you get the best validation from people that have known you the longest, that have always you know, and I think it's more in that male cycle of like ball busting, like, yeah, you're not going to do it. You know, and for him to say that, because he's very in that cycle, it, it was just, you know, it, it, I know we're on the right track. You know, we're on the right side of, of history. So anyway, uh, we will catch everybody with new episodes in the coming weeks. Not that this isn't a new episode, uh, but please continue to subscribe, follow, leave us a five star review and comment. Please, as always, I am Mike Leon. Grateful to do 60 incredible episodes of a podcast that you all need to be listening to. I'm Nick Saveri. That's right. Nothing better to say right there. We'll see everybody next time. Later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.